0: Thank you for tuning in. This is our podcast, Healthy Families First, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Leia. You can visit our blogger, texashealthyfamiliesfirst.blogspot.com or stop through our website at learn-edu.org for resources, tips, legislation changes and updates, sponsorship, and membership. We are listeners supported by members like you, and we've heard your requests. So, we have four advocacy goals. America's future legislatory processes in family court, generational kinship and communication between parents and child, economic and educational freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, Let's get started.
1: Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Raquel Leia, and you're listening to Healthy Families First. It has been, I have waited to the very last moment to broadcast today just because I wanted to ensure that we're right in accordance to what's going on in 2019 with this book, Recovering from Sexual Assault by Family Members. I would not be the host that I am if I really didn't say that my heart goes out to those families at the Texas border, at the family border, and in our California border. I'm not interested in their citizenship. I'm not interested in who, what, where, how, and why. I am a human being, and when I see a death portrayed, when I see that a death has happened with children and infants, then I am concerned. It is my heart's desire that we look at the human aspect of what's happening to people in our own borders before we chastise those that are happening in other borders. That being said... (laughs) um, I wanna kind of take a moment to say there are some really good people rallying around what's going on at the border. And I I don't you know when I heard the numbers of people that are involved in having their children taken, and I don't care why your children are taken, your children can be in the custody of the Department of Family Protective Services, your children could be with aunts, uncles, parents, there could be a death. If your children are not with you, your birth children, then my heart goes out to you. And it does not take a national crisis for me to have some advocacy for you and some sympathy and empathy about what you may be going through. So <clears throat> that being said, dealing with sexual assault is another caveat that really touches my heart, um, I can't tell you enough that you'll probably find that there's some sexual assault going on down there. And these children are, as we know, um, just hear what we hear in the news. And I don't care what station you listen to. This is not political party. This is not station that you listen to. It's not commentary. These are actual facts that these children are down here, and they are not being advocated for in the respect of what they should be. Um, Texas has a problem with the Department of Family Protective Services. They do. Human services are not there to help manage these children. And even if they were there, I have problems with how they manage children. Um, Five years ago and six years ago when we published our first book doing this, I had just as much compassion on those families and my own family as I have with these families now. This is a state issue. This is the state of Texas doing what it is that they do. And if you're not familiar with what goes on in the state of Texas, this is nothing new. For all of those that have had some form or fashion of an investigation about you as a parent, this should not surprise you. There are children that die in the custody of the Department of Family Protective Services. You haven't heard one voice about health and human services down at that border. You have not heard one iota of a voice. And that hurts my heart that we have funding um, to make sure these children are protected and it's not happening. I heard now that the National Guard is down there. I don't know what the National Guard is going to do. These children need mommies and daddies and health and human services. But once again, the state of Texas is looking away. That's why most of the books that I publish really, really jump into what happens in Texas to families and their children. And it's notorious. I can't make it. I can't make it sound any better than that. I I, I can't. I I can't give Texas. A break. You know, uh, I got an email from, let's see, let me pull it up right now. Cause I, I, I want to be sure to get it right. I'm okay with memory, but I, I regret sometimes not reading from the actual article that I read. I got an email <clears throat> from an organization that I used to use when it came to, um, Homeschooling my children, and that is the name of that organization is uh, the Texas Coalition for Homeschool. So it's a Christian organization. Uh, basically, they're going to have Texas homeschoolers go down to um, Austin, Texas, which is the state capital, and support a particular family who've had their children removed from custody. And this show is not about children being removed from custody, but I can't help but talk about (laughs) children removed from custody because I'm talking about um, sexual assault in children. And it's going to come up. It's going to come around. And, And so there's this family... That is going to have a hearing in the state of Texas in the next couple of days. And they're encouraging everybody to attend the hearing in support of Drake and the uh, Padros family. I'm not sure when the when the the hearing date is June 20th, 2019. And they asked me to come. I do professional speaking engagements and advocacy support and things like that. And they would really like me to attend. And that's not something that I can do because (laughs) I'm on contract in another state. But if I was in Texas, I would do it. I would do it if I was in Texas. I would have a voice i would I would be there to represent um, families that need advocacy and support, and my heart goes out once again. so we're gonna get into our own topics. I just wanted to mention some of the things that are going on uh, in the state of Texas right now um, like I said, my heart goes out, and it doesn't it I'm not taking one side. Or another. I'm not going to say who shot John, Peter, or Paul, what the parents should have done, could have done, where they come from, should they not have come, should they. These are the facts. And with the facts presented, the family found themselves at the border in Texas, and a little girl died, and a father died. And um, I think the burial has already happened, and these were not the first deaths in recent times this year that's happened at the border. And my my bare minimum is: Where in the world is Health and Human Services? They take children and put them in foster care like running water, like running water, like rumour meals, as though this is, this is something to be proud of. Last year alone, nineteen hundred children died in the custody of the Department of Family Protective Services, and the egregious act the egregious act right now of not being at that border to help these children. I don't care about politics. I don't care about, well, it's not our job. I don't care. You are the health department. Your job is human services, and you should be at that border taking those children into custody so that they have a place to stay. I don't care what the excuse is. I don't want to hear anything about who shot John and what what this administration or that administration is doing. And so to see citizens run down to that border, uh, with soap. Uh, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. I'm just Googling a simple quick search so that I can pull up an article that says Texas citizens run to the border. And these these separated immigrant families at the border to hear that West Texas is going, you know, just regular citizens taking pampers and soap and supplies down to the Arizona-Mexico border, down to the Mexican border, down to the Texas border, down to the California border, down to the Florida border, to hear that um, these American citizens are down there and what's being said is that, and I I don't understand it, and I'm not going to try to understand it. Like I said, I'm just going to report to you the facts because I have empathy regarding the situation. That's it. Um, That Border Patrol are blocking Americans from donating toothbrushes Hampers and, and things of the nature. So, I'll speak on one more thing before we go to a commercial break. I will say that there was an article because I don't know how many times I'm going to play uh, this recording and, and how many times it's going to air, but, or how many downloads it's going to get. There was an article um, the first week, the last week of June, saying that. These children down at the border did not have, the Trump administration was stopping these children from taking baths. They didn't have running water, pampers, toothbrushes, soap, the basic needs. And so there was some outcry from American citizens that you don't handle children this way. Where is health and human services? And so citizens got together on their own to run to the border and help just a human, human need. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about just human need. Um, The bear said, I mean, prisoners down down in America are treated with a certain level of dignity. So th- we're not going to argue about human need or no human need or cause and effect because when you break the laws in our country and you go to prison, you still have soap, water, toothbrush, toothpaste. Uh, you still get health checks. So we're talking basic human need. So this play to run down to the border and, and help these children has been blocked by <clears throat> border Patrol. That hurts. That hurts my feelings. And and um, these are children. I hope no more children die. I want to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back.
0: Broken Foundations, the sexual assault of baby girl, is a chronological platform and awareness campaign for sexual assault victims. Concerns of accountability and justice have gone unnoticed, even within the hashtag MeToo movement. Share one author's journey through family, trust, relationships, for addressing sexual assault within families. Purchase your copy today on Amazon.com. Broken Foundations, The Sexual Assault of Baby Girl.
2: Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech Taught. By the cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cyber security training, and selling certificates. Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today.
1: And thank you for tuning back in. Um, this is Healthy Families First. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. We're going to divulge ourselves back into the introduction of the book, uh, Recovering from Sexual Assault by Family Members. Here's what I want to mention regarding the chapters of the book. <clears throat> the introduction, we really get into um, talking about what it means to be a sexual assault victim. And I'm trying to define it in such a way that people kind of get the idea. And so uh, on page, I don't know, 10 or 12, I talk about ravishment and what that means. And it's the function of having to perform because you're under some level of intimidation. Just on page nine, I talked about survivors, who survivors are, that they were molested and kind of trying to give somewhat of a definition of in my early years of life, how I volunteered and helped organize and support and find some advocacy toward an audience of people that had found themselves in a situation where they were taken advantage of. And when I never told, I talked about in the introduction how I never shared my own story of being ravished, of being uh, some kind of victim. I've never seen myself as, as a victim. i think that some of the things that I've gone through have hurt. I know hurt me to the core that I was not giving myself sexually to someone and some things had happened. Okay. And I moved beyond it. However, I moved on beyond it. At some point, I'll begin to share my story. But in the introduction, I talk about why I decided to share my story and what people's response were was to my story. Th- that's just my story. That's it. It's, it's not something that I expect you to share or expect you to have. And as an author, um, pre- and, and now radio host, my job is present to you information. And, and I could present that information through publication, through professional speaking engagements. I can illuminate, help you find your voice and then help you ask yourself questions that help you move forward. That's the point of the book. Is it perfect? It's not perfect, but you stick with it and you will understand kind of what we're going through. Um, My goal is one of the assumptions that I make is that in this book, we are all human beings, even when we don't act like it. Okay, some people just don't act like human beings, but we're going to categorize everyone as a human being. And by example, I will say people that sexually take advantage of, of others have a sickness, I don't care how you define it, you can define it as narcissism, some form of sexual narcissism, some form of voyeurism, some form of uh, um, nymphomaniism. I talk about a lot of different forms and definitions of people who take advantage of children sexually. I did not know that grown men and women took advantage of people sexually that were under the age of 12 of, of, of twelve months. That actually happens and it's a condition. And I talk about it in the other book that we sell, Pedophilia Erotica. I talk about it there. I talk about um, if you take advantage of children between the ages of 1 and 8, what that diagnosis is. And, and so these are diagnoses. We call these people people, but they don't act like it. Okay? Um, yet they are. And the idea of going through this chapter by chapter, is to give you that voice. It's very complex. It's not something that's easy to do. It's very hard to talk about. And if it's hard for you to talk about, what happens, as we turn toward the book now, what happens when not you were sexually assaulted, but your children, and under your protection, and now under your home, So I get into just, you can't imagine. First of all, you can't commit murder. (laughs) Your children need you. They need you. When you find out that your children were sexually assaulted, you are under investigation first because this happened under your watch. We want to share what happens when your child goes, or when you as an adult go through family protective services the department, um, um, health and human services, when you, when your parenting is now looked upon as cosmetic and you are now a danger to your child, what does that look like for you? What happens when you are under investigation or the Department of Family Protective Services has now reason to believe that because of your negligence your child was taken advantage of? So in, 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 in chapter fifteen, um, well, page fifteen, just in the introduction, because I want to be sure before we go to chapter one. And I know that I visited chapter one a little bit, but after thinking about it, and after a couple of people listened to the show and 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 we talked about it, I needed to kind of go through the introduction again. So we talked about part one and helping you understand Texas code. Let's say you're in Oklahoma, you need to you need to Google as a start Oklahoma code understanding the Oklahoma code for family services. You've got to do it in your state. And unfortunately, people don't do it until it's time to do it. I, I pay my taxes. I fill out my taxes paperwork December 29th of every year. I do. I fill out my taxes paperwork December 29th of every year because I don't want to hear it. By December 31st, I'm getting it audited whether it's for my companies or whether it's for my personal taxes, December 31st of every year, I am getting an audit for my taxes. I have my taxes ready to file April 1. This happens every year. And by no later than the first, I'm not April 1, I'm sorry, January 1, my taxes are in my hand ready to file. I'm done. And I choose to do it like that as a level of accountability because I just don't want to put up with the nonsense. I don't want to hear it because I will procrastinate it I don't want to hear anything about the government and my tax situation. I file my taxes between January 1 to January 5th every year. I stop what I'm doing. It's a madhouse. It is a roadhouse. (laughs) And so because I don't want to go through that, there's some level of accountability that I have to take in that, that I have to file my taxes ahead of time. I don't want the headache. And so it's the same accusation, frustration, and um, accessibility That's accountability that you need to deal with before it happens. You need to say, you know what, I don't want the Department of Family Protective Services in my life, so um, I live in Utah. (laughs) I'm going to Google the code and kind of find out what's going on because when it comes to my children, my children are my main concern. This is my job. I want them to stay in my custody. I don't know what's going on with this world, but I need to, to understand it. Now, part two, on page 16 of it, of the introduction, we get into the Department of Family Protective Services and the Hippocratic Oath and their responsibilities that you will find. Sometimes investigators do, sometimes they don't. But, yes, they have a Hippocratic, Hippo, Hippocratic Oath that they're supposed to. Uh, live by, that they're supposed to find themselves being deemed by. Do they do it? I don't know. I I have my own opinion about it. Right now I'm not going to share that opinion because I really want to kind of get you through the pages, okay? Um, Page 17, I get into part three. We're talking about what happens as we move forward and once there's a hard look taken into account. Once uh, rhetoric comes into play, once people start changing languages, the Department of Family Protective Services gets legally, DAs get involved, attorneys get involved, and judges get involved, and the truth gets convoluted. The truth doesn't come out in court. They're not trying to find the truth. They're just trying to find out what they can prove. That's a big difference. People doing an investigation People in court they are their job is not to present the truth their job is to present what they can be proved, what they can prove, or what can be proven okay so those are two different things so when you go to court and you say, "Wait a minute hey that's not true this didn't happen that didn't happen nobody nobody's nobody's looking at hidden factors that might be your truth and so when we're talking about sexual assault in children people are, are pretty much unconcerned about what the what the truth and the facts are is what can be proven. What can we get thrown out of court? <clears throat> what are the dynamics and what are the facts that the judge has on the table? Not all of the facts, just the facts that are presented. See that's a different. And so now you understand why the Department of Health and Human Services in Texas is not down at the border. Because it doesn't matter what can what the truth is, is what can be proven in court. That's different. That has nothing to do with Children, the death of a child, children and malfeasance and maltreatment, neglect, do not have anything to do with those things. This is what can be proven in court. That's why the Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Family Protective Services, uh, Child Protective Services, these agencies are not down at that border because they consider these children immigrants not um, in our custody as U.S. citizens and in this country. And so... That's a proven fact, so everything else cause goes to the side. And what I'm saying to you is that those are not human components, even though we, wanna, we want to focus on this show as though people are making human actions. And it, it's very, it can be very difficult sometimes because children are involved. The loves of our lives are involved. And so it, it goes by the wayside. For example, I will mention this, um, and people may not know this, if you go on Amazon and this is free for you to read and you Google the book, um, Recovering from Sexual Assault by Family Members, the book is going to come up that I have for purchase. Let me see how much it is. It never goes on sale. Um, because people buy it. Uh forty one dollars by Kindle and forty four dollars by by paperback and oh, the used is forty four ninety nine and the the um new, I don't know. If you have prime you get some sort of a discount. All right. So one of the things I talk about, and, and I, it, it hurts my heart statistically to understand this, is that ages between 15 and 18 years of age, children between those ages, are, are culturally dating. These kids are dating. And I'm an information technologist. I think children don't need technology early. And so to give a child an iPad at the age of two, to me, that's early. Maybe it's not anymore because because we're so technical now. We have so much technology that maybe we need it. I am an old-fashioned person. I My, my children and I, I, I put them in the country on 10 acres, and we used to chase butterflies with, with nets. So <laughs> that has nothing to do with technology, but that's how I chose to raise my kids. We wash my car by hand, and we have conversations, and we talk. We, we pray together, we talk together, we stay together. That's, that's just what we do. And that, though, that has nothing to do with technology. So there's, a, there's an aspect of information technology and the kids between 15 and 18. There's a correlation between dating with children. Um, and so there's an unfair advantage that predators have to overly sexualize children in this country. I know that the Me Too movement called it over, they called it um, the adultification of black girls. Uh, And and so that was published in the Women's Media Center, but it's the same for all women. It's the same for all girls. Basically what the article is saying is that um, there's an an article published in in, in Georgetown Law and found that black girls have the experience of adultification, meaning that um, black girls are looked at sooner in life sexually than any other race. So, and that was as young as the age of five. And so, there's another article that talk that talks about black bodies versus white bodies, and and how in the 19th century, there's this presumption of um, white girls seeming pure and black girls seem, seeming. Um, unpure, and that it's an overt sexuality of the black child um, versus the sexuality of of white children. So, that comes back to the book of what I'm stating, the over-sexualization of children in general. It's an unfair advantage to people that sexualize our children. This is this is this is an advantage to them to force our children in a culture where they are overly sexualized and looked at no longer as just children. And so when you have predators out there and you have people that are OK with the over sexualization of children, then there's a lot of molestation going on from Uncle Bill, Bob, John, whatever his name is, that stayed the night and you were asleep in the bedroom. And your child goes through some kind of fondling experience or worse, male or female, is irrelevant to me. The child has been touched. And now, in order to report that, and as a parent, as a good parent, as a human parent, and we are talking about human beings, you will report it. Now you have the Department of Family Protective Services or some kind of family court, and you're looking at a possible removal of your child from your custody because you were the person that was meant to protect that child and who shot John Peter Paula get worked out in court 18 months later because the department can't keep your child up to eight months, 18 months and remove all the children from your home. You now have a whirlwind of a nightmare in your home. So let's take a short break. We will continue this conversation Thank you so much for tuning in.
2: As an NGO, the Cognitive Institute of Dallas and Technology is a nonprofit active in education, philanthropy, and other areas to affect change according to objectives in cybersecurity. While they support a format for vendors to offer courses, more often, hosted events require organizational sponsorship and planning. Included is a suite of interactive learning tools for stimulating scenarios such as cyber attacks. They offer software development, security courses for professionals and CE units. Visit their website today. Considering becoming a supporter of Healthy Families First for only $3 a month? Visit our page at patreon.com forward Healthy Families First and look for the membership levels on the right side of the page. You can support the fight for parental engagement and parenting, a mission and cause of Healthy Families First, by purchasing an ebook. Or Purchase the print book. Click on the affiliate link to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Book Patch at our blog at Texas Healthy Thanks again for your generous support.
1: And we're back, and thank you. Um, this is Healthy Families First. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Leia, and we're just talking about the nuts and bolts of um, logistically how the introduction is laid out for recovering from sexual assault by family members when Child Protective Services takes your children. And I was trying to correlate um, the dynamics of... <sighs> Idealizing our children, <laughs> whether they're immigrants or citizens, and what's going on with the border, and and citizen or not, having some empathy, remember that we are l- being viewed globally and around the world, and so... Having just the bare minimum of empathy has nothing to do with a political view. It has nothing to do with where I stand on the issues. It has nothing to do with immigrant, non-immigrant, citizen or non-citizen, resident or non-resident. It has nothing to do with who shot John, Peter, or Paul. They are dead bodies. Children have died, and more than a handful of children have died at the border. And so in a very small period of time, and I'm talking about holding health and human services accountable, as this is our federal agency that's supposed to render aid to children. And in the past, it didn't matter if these children were immigrants or not. It didn't matter if they were residents or not. Health and Human Services have removed children from parents' homes of citizens because there was no electricity or running running water, because there was a law of maltreatment when children didn't have the bare minimums like food in the home. Health and Human Services, you will lose custody of your children if you cannot provide for your children. They will go to the state and any state that you live in. And so just these bare minimum laws, I know that I kind of have a different way of looking at it than what the news reports. We have standards in America, and we expect our citizens and non-citizens and residents in this country to live accordingly to our laws and our amendments in this country. And that means that you have to treat children with dignity. We've always cared for our children. So to hear that children are not being cared for hurts me. Okay. That's it. It just hurts. And, and that's the point. I'm not making any other point than that. I'm not saying, um, I'm not talking about any other person or any, any other point. So, I am actually uploading an article for you to read. A couple of articles I'm going to upload that are republished so that you'll have access to them on my BBS radio show page, Healthy Families First, so that you can have the content that I have because I want my, all of my listeners to know that I don't talk half assed. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. There's, there's not a technical way to do it. Everything that I state to you is traceable, is trackable. You can find it. It's not that hard to find. Just a very small Google Google search, and you're there. So, <clears throat> what I'm tra- what what we're discussing, what we're discussing is um, the book, the content for the book, and how children are not cared for in this country. Not the ones at the at the border. And and so there seems to be, I guess, favoritism or lack of favoritism. Why, if you are a citizen, will your children be taken away for less? But yet, here it is, as an immigrant, you don't get running water, toothbrushes. You don't get those things. How did we become a nation that said you have to have citizenship in order to have your basic needs met? I don't know when we became that country. I don't know. I don't know. I just like to live in a country that cares for kids. That's it. I just like to live in a country that cares for kids. I'd, I don't want to feel as though children are not cared for. I don't. And so that's, that's what's going on and it hurts my feelings and it hurts my heart and I don't want children, I don't want that to happen to children in our country. I want that to stop. I want that to stop. So my heart goes out to what's going on. I just want to bring awareness to it. And the other part that we're definitely talking about is the simple fact that children are being glorified sexually at earlier ages. As a cybersecurity uh, cyber professional, I think that part of that is because of technology. All right, so um, you may – I, I talk about children in this country and, and how we came to need an organization like Healthy, Fam- like um, the Department of Family Protective Services. You can Google Healthy Families First on YouTube, uh, Dr. Raquel Leia, and some of that stuff will come up. It's always available to you. It's free. There are – I think I was broadcasting at 15-minute increments, and I changed that – from 15 minutes to eight minutes, um, (laughs) just, just so that I could be sure for myself that I was getting to the meat of what I wanted to say. So take a look at it, see what you think and, and keep moving forward with me, keep moving forward with me. So I'm going to change the dynamic just a little bit. Um, so here, here's here's what I will say. I've already published the article, so by the time you hear this, you'll see the article. Be sure to go to Healthy Families First. I think it's E Junkie. You know, I always have to Google it because I'm not that good today. Um, and I am not leaving the office, the office, until I actually publish <laughs> what I said I was going to publish. So, you, so you have access. Healthy Families First. Let me Google it just to make sure I'm giving you uh, the right healthy. I have to, you know, I'm always doing it wrong and I can't help, but do it live because no matter what happens, I'm not going to have all the content that I need on my computers. You know, this, you know, I'm somewhat scattered brain. Don't expect anything. (laughs) Don't expect anything else. So when I Google healthy families first, our, our YouTube videos are coming up everywhere. Okay. So I have it and it's healthy families first dot e dash com. So you'll have that content today. I'm, I promise you, I am not leaving the office until you have it. So I have that the article published. I want you to read it for yourself because like I said, I'm not a host that I don't come with material. I don't, I don't not come with research. <laughs> I don't know if all of that made sense. I don't not come with research. I come with research because I want to bring to you the latest events that are happened Happening in our world that pertain to you and your children. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Understand, um, as I present this to you, that the Department of Healthy, uh, the Department of Family Protective Services, Health and Human Services, is a federal mandate. These dollars go to each state to now split accordingly to find out what's going on in your state to address the fact that children are protected. This is a federally funded organization. So I will, I will say it all of the time that welfare for children is a common decency. And I love the fact that, that the Department of Family Protective Services, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Children's Services, whatever division is it, it is, whatever state you're in, however you want to define it, the idea is the protection of our children. The idea is the protection of families against family violence. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman that's the offender. The idea is to create a healthy function so that children can grow and learn and become healthy tax-paying citizens in our country. This is not a want. It's not a need. It is a mandate by the federal government and so the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at the federal level then distributes funds to children to families did you know that and it it goes per state so I want you to begin to get it that If you go to welfare.gov, and I don't advocate for any other websites but mine, you can get all the fact sheets that you want about the evolution of children, about the evolution of laws, about the evolution of dollar bills. These are dollars that will prosecute you to tell you you are an ineffective parent. Well, I'm calling out the state of Texas, the state of Florida, Mexico, Arizona, and California that you – are an ineffective parent. We have children dying in your custody. So I don't think my heart's going to stop being broken tomorrow, but you can go to ejunkie.com slash healthy families first and purchase chapter the introduction chapter. It's there live. You can purchase it. I'm not leaving the office today until it's uploaded And I'm in the office today when you hear this episode. Okay. (laughs) Even though I'm pre-recording, I am in the office today when you hear this episode and I'm not talking about patron.com. I'm not talking about right now, um, getting funds in order to do this because we, we do have private sources of funding, but what I'm talking about is the bare essential of advocating for children. This book, um, and I need to stay there with the book and the introduction. We really want to talk about the pentalogy of breaking generational curses. How? And when I say breaking generational, generational curses, I'm going to tell you what that means. I don't mean prayer, prayer oil, laying hands on, running up and down aisles. <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is learning how to parent differently. Oh, that sounds like an article, doesn't it? I better open up a Word doc- document and start, and start writing. I'm talking about learning how to parent differently. That's it. I- I'm just talking about learning how to parent. I-, I want you, us, to stop using the excuse that I learned it from my parent and that's why I misparent. I want you to understand this is not a—I'm not trying to to make this a spiritual stronghold of some sort. If you Google breaking generational curses, you get a lot of Christian stuff about prayer— about supplication and, and, and all of those things. What I'm trying to tell you is that breaking generational curses, come on in, breaking generational curses is about learning how to parent differently. If if it was done wrong for you, if there's some heartache or some some ways that you feel about how your parents could have raised you, this is an opportunity through education for you to get it differently. This is me telling you that breaking generational curses is about learning how to parent differently. That's it. I'm not trying to get you to do one thing one way. I'm not trying to bring it to you through prayer. I'm not trying to bring it to you through any other outlet. I want you to do the education and the work. I I had... um. People don't know this about me, but I I didn't have a lot of help going to college because I I don't come from a background where there are a lot of doctors um, before my time. Like right now, we have a lot of doctors in our family. We have a lot of um, military professionals in our family and, and, and very successful people, very successful dynamic. So but before that. Um, my generation my cousins my sisters and my brothers we were the generation that got educated we were the generation that took advantage of the 1992 bill clinton go to school get your education uh, integrate into colleges uh, plan for it ahead and i forgot what it was called it was when they didn't have enough black people in those universities so we got kind of waivers to go through those universities it didn't matter it didn't matter And I'll tell you why. You still had to pass the class. And so if you didn't know how to study, you had to learn how to study. If you didn't know how to take a test, you had to learn how to take a test. Just because you got in does not mean you're going to stay in. Now that's what breaking generational curses is about. It's about doing the work. If you don't know how to raise kids, you learn how to raise kids. If your parents didn't show you how to raise kids, then you get advocacy, help, and support. That's what Breaking Generational Curses is about. It's about doing the work so that you're presented in a light to be a healthy parent. This isn't about anything other than that. And I don't want you to turn it to anything other than that. So when you see a book called Breaking Generational Curses, this is not a spiritual stronghold book. It might have some prayer in it. The first book has some prayer in it. We had to figure out how we wanted to design what we wanted to say. Well, now you know. This is about education and legislation. This isn't about what faith you are, how you pray, who you pray to. It doesn't have anything to do with that. You have a a reckoning in your heart that you want to do things a little bit differently when it comes to parenting your children in a healthy sense, in a healthier sense that was presented to you. You know, spanking is big in the African-American culture and now we consider that level of spanking we consider it criminal it was it was common to go to school with webs all over your legs it was common to feel like your arms were broken your parents beat you so hard and then when the african american experience was slavery when the african american experience included the possibility of you and your family's homes being burnt down to the ground by the KKK, you had to put a beating on your child because the whole family could die based on your child's actions in public. So I understood that level of beatings. Time has passed environments and cultures have changed. Research has updated and we now know better. We now know that beating your child to a pulp, leaving welts on their skin, leaving bruises on their face, um, their bun buns hurt so bad that they can't sit down, their arm got sprained while you were spanking them, pulling their hair, you know, busting their lip, doing things like that. This is criminal behavior. This is criminal behavior. There was a time that we lived in America that if you did not beat their child your child, the Ku Klux Klan could come down and the African American experience would mean that your house was burned down to the ground, schools were burned down to the ground. So I understand that level of beating. As we grow, we do better. As research updates, we do better. And so now we don't handle things in those ways. There's a healthier approach. So Breaking Generational Curse is the title. Is about how we treat our children. It's about learning to do things different as culture changes, as environments change. We learn to update what we have done in the past and we raise our children differently. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
2: To hear more Healthy Family First programming, go to bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. One of the biggest benefits of magazine and online advertisements is that it's easy for them to appear before a target audience. While a newspaper reaches a broad spectrum of people, a magazine is designed for people who have shared interests or values. At Healthy Families First, whether your awareness campaign markets education, family, kids, parents, food choice, pediatrics, Endor Entertainment. We're here to help. Visit healthyfamiliesfirst.learn-edu.org.
1: And we're back. Thank you for tuning in. This is Healthy Families First. I'm your host, Dr. Raquel Leah. And uh, we're talking about some serious stuff today. Not a lot of jokes. I like to kind of joke around and things of that nature. So I don't know how deep these chapters are going to go because we have a lot of chapters. (laughs) We have a lot of chapters to get through. And I just want you to feel as though you have the advocacy and the support that you need in order to parent your children. And uh, we've talked about some current events. OK, I'm going to tell you the last part of the introduction so that we can move on to chapter one. And, and I'm glad that I revisited it. I really needed to state it in a different way. And then give you more current events and then put it out there for you to go to eJunkie slash Healthy Families First. Or go to Amazon uh, recovering, from, recovering from sexual assault by family members and then purchase. I want you to be very well equipped. There should be no reason why you're surprised after this if you're under investigation. There's no reason. There, there, there's no reason to be under investigation. I don't care what state you live in. There's no reason for you to be under investigation after you hear this podcast. I mean, after you hear BBS radio and this syndication, it's, it's just, it, it, it doesn't exist. So if you send me an email and say, Dr. Raquel Leia, I've been listening to you for three years. And guess what? I now have CPS in my life. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you can kind of throw it to the dirt. I'm not going to respond to that email. You have to be accountable. The materials and the tools are out there for you to teach and uh, teach yourself to be self-educated and taught, and then to do the work to learn and not have knee-jerk reactions to how we were parented. And I think 90% of parents did the best that they could. I believe that. Whether you believe that or not, I believe that 90% of parents have done the best that they could with what they have, which was presented to them in the environment and the culture and the dynamic and the time of which they parented you. I'm going to give that credence to parents. And then I'm going to say, however, now that the torch has been passed, you have an obligation to now parent differently for your culture For your dynamic for new research that has been given to you. So you're gonna have to give your parents a little freedom there, you're gonna have to do a little forgiving. I'm not saying forgive all that stuff because some parents knew what they were doing was wrong, and that's it. And I know that and you know that. So there's the level of accountability, but also there's some grace that we have to throw into there. And you know that because of how you parent today. You know that you could be knee-jerk, kind of. So Let's hit the tail end of this book. It talks about um, focus-driven ideas, putting together ideologies and principles and practices when you have to go to court, when you meet with your children doing visits, um, how to work through sexual assault that's happened to you or your children, how to become a better parent. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to knuckle up and do it. This is a hard book it's a hard read sometimes you can't get through a paragraph hey I can't get through a paragraph (laughs) so it's that dynamic and and so my heart for you as as we set in a mode to close is simple I want to kind of lay out a structure and offer to you prayer that may not have been offered to you when you were a child and before that, let me, before we close in that idea, I, I want you to, and I, and I guess I'll put some of the links on the website, go to uh, childwarfare.org and look at some of the topics there. And they're talking about what promoting self and stable families look like. And it also gets into a great um, idea of modifying child welfare uh laws and and this is on the federal level so then each state would have to implement these programs and in 2009 the re- there's a report that talked about federal expenditures on children through um the federal budget you need to know that you need to know how much money goes into protecting children Taking children, foster caring children, and you paying child support if your child is not returned into your custody. These are statistics and facts that'll help you war to keep your family together. You gotta find your strength. You gotta find it. It's not just floating around somewhere. It's in you. And so if you don't think this is a battle for families, look what's going on at the border. If it could happen to immigrants, it could happen to citizens. As a matter of fact, it was happening to citizens when I wrote the book and it was happening to citizens before that. Now it's happened to immigrants. And I love the fact that people are getting together to say, hey, we can offer children the bare necessities that they need while they go through the immigration process. Like I said, I'm not taking sides. I'm not going to take a side. I think my voice needs to be heard. And I think other people's voices need to be heard. I'll say it now. And I said time and time again, I am apolitical. I am apolitical. Do I vote? Yep. Not going to tell you for who. (laughs) I'm apolitical. I just want to come to I just want to come to some kind of consensus about supporting health and stable families. That's it. I I want there to be a consensus between you and myself that children need to be grown and reared, need to grow and be reared in healthy, safe families. And I want you to understand that that is my hope and my prayer for you as well. If you didn't get that, I'm sorry that you didn't get it. And that's why I'd like to say a prayer for you today. Um, It doesn't have anything to do with with anything. It's just just a Jewish prayer that we say for our children every Shabbat. And I'll say it in um, English, and then I'll say it in Hebrew. Um, We don't speak English in my synagogue. and, And all it is is, may God make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. May God make you like Ephraim and Manesh. May God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you. I think I got that all wrong because someone walked in my office. Hold on, I'm going to pause for just a moment and get this straight. Okay, I got to do that again. (laughs) So that part is going to be on the radio. I don't care. I I just have to say it again because I don't want to be interrupted. And sometimes I leave my door open. May God make you like Sarai. Rifkah, Rahel and Leah, may God make you like Ephraim and Manesh. May God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you. May God be gracious to you. May you feel God's presence within you always, and may you find peace. That's it. It's just a small prayer that I pray for my children every Shabbat that I that I pray for you. And if as a parent you didn't get that prayer, this is a good time to invoke that inner child and pray for the inner child of you and then pray for your children. And, and growing in healthy families in a healthy dynamic, sometimes it's going to take a little prayer. And this is how that prayer goes in Hebrew. And I think I might publish it. I'm not sure. I'll think about it. Shemech Elohim, Sarai, Rebekah, Achel and Leah. Shemek Elohim Ifrahim Imanesh Ya'er Adonai Pena'ev Elecha Viniweka
0: So this is where our journey must end. And saying good evening and goodbye to you today does not mean that you don't get another opportunity to impact your generations, legislation, and effective change in your kinship and relationship with your child or your children. And as always, the vision of our broadcast is incomplex that you consider, catch, check out, and cradle simple approaches to parenting and communication. And we are here to help support and in-kind your generosity helps parents' liberties and freedoms from constraint to guide and parent their children and grandchildren in safe and healthy places. Won't you become a patron today? Visit our supporters page at patreon.com slash healthy families first.